Our Father and our God, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for light. Lord, we've come again to study your word. Lord, please open our minds. Give us understanding that may we know how to put these things to practice. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen. Our high calling, March 14. God calls for our best affections. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 Many are on the enchanted ground of the enemy. Things of the least importance, foolish social parties, singing, jesting, joking, engross their minds and they serve God with a divided heart. The declaration of Christ, no man can serve two masters, is unheeded. One of the most marked features of the earth's inhabitants in the days of Noah was their intense worldliness. They made eating and drinking, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage the supreme objects of life. It is not sinful but the fulfillment of a duty to eat and drink, if that which is lawful is not carried to excess. God himself instituted marriage when he gave Eve to Adam. All God's laws are marvelously adapted to meet the nature of man. The sin of the antediluvians was in perverting that which in itself was lawful. They corrupted God's gifts by using them to minister to their selfish desires. Excessive love and devotion to that which in itself is lawful proves the ruination of thousands upon thousands of souls. To matters of minor importance is given is often given the strength of intellect that should be wholly devoted to God. We need always to be guarded against carrying to excess that which rightly used is lawful. Many, many souls are lost by engaging in those things which properly managed are harmless, but which perverted and misapplied become sinful and demoralizing. If we are constantly thinking of and struggling for the things that pertain to this life, we cannot keep our thoughts fixed on the things of heaven. Satan is seeking to lead our minds away from God and to center them on the fashions, the customs, and the demands of the world, which bring disease and death. In this world, we are to obtain a fitness for the higher world. God has left our trust with us, and he expects us to use all our faculties in helping and blessing our fellow men. He calls for our best affections, our highest powers. Amen. Devotion title is God Calls for Our Best Affections. 
the memory text here says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon in this devotion we are given two masters and we have to choose one there are no three masters there are just two romans chapter 6 6 verse 16 it says know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants are ye to whom ye are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness verse 13 neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we have two masters, sin, which is originated from Satan, and righteousness, which God is the source of it. It will be good to really know the principles of God and to know the things that represent Satan's principles. Many times we have conflicting ideas in our minds as Christians. Should I watch comedies? Should I go to the dance hall? Should I have go for these social parties or the other social party? Can't I do some binge drinking? Can't I do this? Can't I wear this kind of clothes? And we have so many questions in our mind, primarily because we do not know we cannot discern to whom each of these things we are asking belong to who is the source of this activity and who is the source of that activity so many of us while we i would say some because i can't say so many now some of us while we still claim to be christians have not been able to withdraw our affections from the world primarily because we do not know what even the world looks like I was discussing with someone yesterday and I, I said to the person that you see, while we were much younger, though we went to church and participated in activities every Sabbath, midweek, religiously, we never knew that we were just in mind the world. But physically, we had a religious front. Like the Bible would say, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof so we still have this love for the things of the world and still go to church and primarily for some of us it's because we don't know that the very things which we love and want to enjoy and feel are the things that make life fun and happy are things that the word of god condemns and you know the bible says that friendship with the world is an enmity with god that's james chapter 4 James chapter 4 verse 4 Ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is the enemy of God so here God is bringing before us that there are two distinct grounds here the world and myself and Satan is called the prince of this world so he's one who brings in his ideas to fuel the world and tell you what the world looks like 
A quote I have here, Patriarchs and Prophets says, 485, to say the followers of Christ are to separate themselves from sinners, choosing their society only when there is opportunity to do them good. We cannot be too decided in shunning the company of those who exert an influence to draw us away from God. While we pray, lead us not into temptation. We are to shun temptation so far as possible. So you see, the, the thing is, we need to know what the world looks like. The redevotion brings to us some points which, for some, it may be strange. Jesting, joking, foolish social parties, and these things engross the mind. And then we also told drink uh, things like marrying, buying and selling, eating and drinking, which for the world is the supreme object of life. So what is the principle of the world here that God is trying to withdraw us from? In First John 2 verse 15, we've been told, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now it goes on to mention, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So here God brings to us the view, the thing that motivates the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. We know the pride of life has to be that arrogance or sense of identity we draw from material things. I have a first class and so there's an air around you. You feel more like a human being because you have a first class. I have a third class or a pass. You feel less than a human being because you have a third class or you have a pass. I just got married so the whole world knows you make it a point of identity. This is what defines I will never be happy until I get married. Now, I just got a new job. The whole world knows that you have a new job. You, you snap pictures around your, your car, and etc. You just make noise about material things. And it doesn't matter how you get it. <laughs> what matters is that you have these things. And Jesus will say, beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist of the things, abundance of the things which he possesses. So here, the world thrives on this spirit. And God is saying, don't do that. Don't go in that direction. Don't take pride in the things you have. Some are very beautiful and they, they go into beauty pageantries. Is that a spirit of God or in the spirit of the world? Now, the Bible will say in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, Philippians verse two, chapter 2 verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, for you to engage in these competitions, you have to finally <laughs> look, as, look to yourself as being better than others. And there will be strife trying to outsmart or outdo the other person. Now you see, this is the world. And the Bible is saying, love not the world. Because this, the world thrives by this competitive spirit. But Christians are not so. They help each other up. There's no competition for the for the child of God. So we need to understand the principles of the world. Now we have the lust of the flesh. And the Bible tells us in Galatians what the works of the flesh are. Envy, hatred, uh, wickedness, witchcraft, 
debate talks about emulation these are the principles that thrive in the world that the world functions with and you find it in the soap operas you find it in the movies in the documentaries they make these principles look like this is what you have to do those who watch some of these movies like the z words and the korean movies and the chinese indian movies you see these principles betrayal hatred lust of the flesh you see adultery and fornication praised and highlighted people even shed tears in these things and wish they could get these privileges because and many christians engage in these things not knowing that these things are the principles of the world they are things that have nothing to do with god they are not god's character and the bible is saying friendship when you sit around these things because in friendship you spend time with people you love if you have friends of this kind of this sort you are an enemy of god the bible will say in ephesians 4 some people wonder can't i watch basket mount that's a comedian here in nigeria can't i watch emanuela can't i watch for a minute just sharing some of these jokes and just make life fun nigeria is very hard things are difficult in the world let's just let's just lighten up the bible will say in ephesians 4 verse 29 let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of a divine that it may minister grace unto the hearers i read also ephesians chapter 5 verses 4 neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks for this you know that no whoremonger no unclean person no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of god upon the children of disobedience seven be not ye therefore partakers with them for you were sometimes darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light so you see god is trying to help us to separate these things these are not my principles i i just by the way in reading this text on on justin you see that god gives gives an alternative giving of thanks if you find yourself as someone who really likes to talk or to engage in these jokes and rest on the bible says use that mouth to actually share testimonies give give yourself into uh, sharing the good things god has done for you or has done for others you also see the other part talking about that which is good for edifying so you should spend or use your influence or speech to edify to encourage to minister grace and you find out in, in my little experience you find out the more you are given into all these frivolities you find it impossible to really help people in their real situation in fact people become more afraid of you because they don't know if what they tell you you use it for jokes and they can't really trust you to confide in you in, in real matters because when you come around people what you're going to do is laugh out and just talk away the real issue they have they may not you may not have the quietness to really listen so rather than edify you would have just made that person for the moment maybe laugh or chuckle but then 
the opportunity to minister grace to comfort by the word of god will have been lost so the, the god brings before us some of these things as things that are not in line with his principles they are not the way of life so what does he want us to do then jesus will say in the book of mark chapter sorry john chapter 4 verse 34 jesus said unto them my need is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work our joy our happiness is derived in fulfilling the purpose for which god has made us let us make man in our own image after our likeness to be helpful to those around us the things in nature even as god is god ministers calvary tells us that christ ministered for our own need he saw us in need and he ministered to us and he said that's his meat that's my joy that's my happiness many people find it strange to believe that the joy in life can be gained in service selfless service observing the needs of others and doing it gives joy jesus said in in the book of isaiah 58 verse 6 he says is not this the fast that i have chosen to lose the bands of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh Isaiah 58 verse 6 now you see that was why even in the book of matthew 25 when jesus was rewarding those who helped the prisoners the poor the less privileged the naked he said you did it unto me and they said when did we see you in the street when did you see in the prison yard there's a lot of work for us to do there's a lot of um, duties for us to do in which case when we are doing these things we are doing it to god the bible will say he that lended to the poor lends to God. It is God and he would reward you. In the book you shall receive power, page page 82, paragraph 5 it says any neglect on the part of those who claim to be the followers of Christ any neglect on the part of those who claim to be followers of Christ, a failure to relieve the necessities of a brother or sister who is bearing the yoke of poverty and oppression, is registered in the books of heaven as shown to Christ in the person of his sins. What a reckoning the Lord will have with many, very many, who present the words of Christ to others but fail to manifest tender sympathy and regard for a brother in the faith who is less fortunate and successful than themselves. Many who allow a brother to struggle along unaided under adverse circumstances and in thus doing, they give to one precious soul the impression that they are thus representing Christ. It is no such thing. Jesus was rich for our sake he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich, that he might save the sinner he withheld not his own life. The heart of Christ is ever touched with human woe. Why am I reading this? Service. We've been told in this devotion to put ourselves in the best position to bless humanity. That way, our affection is given to God. Remember what I just read, in, what I quoted now in, 
in Matthew 25. Every good deed that was done was done to God. Christ recognizes as being done to us, to him rather. So our affection should be given to service. These other things mentioned like jesting, joking, partying, and being obsessed with marriage and, and eating and drinking dissipate our usefulness. They make us selfish. When you see people's needs, you tend to overlook it because you feel you have not satisfied what is your own need. And Jesus himself would say, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I will take care of you. Now, after these things, do the Gentiles seek the... The Gentiles are not careful about service. Generally speaking, what they are concerned is about themselves. But God wants us to have a life of service to him and to humanity. We need to put ourselves in the best position to do this. If we engage in this lifestyle that have been mentioned before now, they will diminish our usefulness. They will make us selfish and self-centered and our brain powers and our ability to think for good will be minimized. We will at the end of the day not look like God because God is not self-serving. From the reading I just read now in You Shall Receive Power, Christ became poor that we might be rich. He put himself on the line of service. So I pray as we improve ourselves and cut away all the things that are in the world that tend to selfishness that the Holy Spirit will give us the grace to be useful to live a life of happiness in serving others in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, just to add to what our brother just said, I read, many are on the enchanted ground of the enemy things of the least importance foolish social parties singing jesting joking engross their minds and they serve god with a divided heart today we see in birthday parties even in marriage parties which is supposed to be a solemn ceremony they have their laughing sessions jesting and joking even in churches now comedy is now the order of the day the religion of christ is held in derision when comedians take aaron's place on the pulpit we who are on the verge of a stupendous crisis an age of accumulated light we need to be weeping between the porch and the altar instead we are the ones who are making people laugh our walk is that of John the Baptist. Was John the Baptist a joker? Make straight the way of the Lord, he said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Eternal consideration shall come first with you. Nothing can have a more subtle and positively dangerous influence upon the mind and serve more effectually to banish serious impressions and the convictions of the Spirit of God than to associate with those who are vain and careless and those whose conversation is upon world, the world and vanity. Whatever intellectual greatness such persons may attain, if they treat religion with levity or even with indifference, they should not be your chosen friends. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In forming friendships, 
great caution should be exercised lest an intimate sea be contracted with one whose example it will not be safe to imitate. For the effect of such an intimacy is to lead away from God, from devotion and the love of the truth. It is positively dangerous for you to intimate with friends who have not a religious experience. If either of you or all of you follow the leadings of God's Spirit or value your soul's salvation, you will not choose as your particular and intimate friends those who do not maintain a religious, a serious religious regard and who do not live under its practical influence. The more engaging these persons may be in other respects, the more dangerous is their influence as companions because they throw around you an irreligious life so many pleasing attractions. Our sisters should pursue a very different cause. There should be more reserve, manifest less boldness and encourage in themselves shamefacedness and sobriety. Both brethren and sisters indulge in too much jovial talk when it, in each other's society. Women professing godliness indulge in much jesting, joking and laughing. This is unbecoming and grieves the Spirit of God. These exhibitions reveal a lack of true Christian refinement. Those who do not feel that it is a religious duty to discipline the mind to dwell upon cheerful subjects will usually be found at one or two extremes. They will be elated by a continual round of exciting amusement, indulging in frivolous conversation, laughing and joking, or they will be depressed, having great trials and mental conflict, which they can they think but few have ever experienced or can understand. These persons may profess Christianity, but they deceive their own souls. No man can serve two masters. All we need, if you want to be happy, things because you think laughter makes one happy. It's all written in the word of God. We can find comfort and solace. We cannot be depressed while we dwell upon the themes of eternal salvation. And so no man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6:24. If we are constantly thinking of and struggling for the things that pertain to this life, we cannot keep our thoughts fixed on the things of heaven. Satan is seeking to lead our minds away from God and to center them on the fashions, the customs of this world. And so it will divide our minds. It will cause us to have double minds. Double-minded men are Satan's allies, she said. Those who begin their Christian life by being half and half will at last be found enlisted on the enemy's side. Whatever may have been their first intentions and to be an apostate, a traitor to the cause of God is more serious than death for it means the loss of eternal life. Double-minded men and 
and women are Satan's best allies. Whatever favorable opinion they may have of themselves, they are dissemblers. All who are loyal to God and the truth must stand firmly for the right because it is right to yoke up with those who are unconsecrated and yet be loyal to the truth is simply impossible. We cannot unite with those who are serving themselves, who are walking on worldly plans and not lose our connection with the heavenly counselor. We may recover ourselves from the snare of the enemy, but we are bruised and wounded and our experience is dwarfed. So we see that God demands our best affections. It's time to give God the freshness of our youth. We will not be in the position, we don't want to be in the position where we have served ourselves and served to please our fancies. And then when we are old and the bones are brittle and blood congeal, that is when we want to serve God now. So we have to, it's time to make up our minds that we must throw in our best, give the master our best service. Amen. I'll be reading from the book Manuscript Releases, Volume 19, page 245. Christ has given a parable in Luke 14, verses 16 through 24, in regard to the manner in which men and women receive the gospel invitation. A certain man, he said, made a great supper and bid many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidding, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. In putting his property before service for Christ, this man exalted a manner of minor importance above that which was of far greater importance. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. This man represents those whose minds are so completely engrossed in caring for their earthly possessions that they cannot appreciate the goodness and mercy of Christ in conferring upon them the honor of being invited guests at the great supper. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. The sin of this man was not in marrying, but in marrying one who divorced his mind from the higher and more important interests of life. Never should a man allow wife and whom to draw his thoughts away from Christ or to lead him to refuse or to lead him to refuse to accept the gracious invitations of the gospel. These these examples of how they give themselves excuses is the same thing for us today in whatever we do. Education in itself, it's not bad, but to the extent which is carried to, that's where the problem is. You see, in today's world, the way it has been done, 
the, the educational system has made men to, to, to turn away from God. Like beginning from like higher uh, secondary schools where you see the child spends the whole day learning, learning and learning and still another uh, lesson called extra curricular or extra moral lesson where the child from morning to evening learning that which it's not going to really profit anything in this life. So the, the child is being taught how to just put his whole attention in the things which is not important and that leads to even the higher institutions and that is why you see students of today when they are told to do that which Christ requires because that which Christ requires clashes with their education then they will make an excuse just as these men made an excuse when the when Christ invited them so it is the same thing today as it is there's nothing wrong in getting an education there's nothing wrong in getting a job but if these things stand between us and god that is where the problem is and we who are expecting christ soon coming who wants to see christ then we have to make sure that we are giving him the full as it says we cannot serve god and mammon we cannot be chasing the things of this world. We cannot be chasing money. We cannot be chasing to get a house. We cannot be chasing to buy a car. Remember, these things have their necessities. But when we chase them and leave God aside, this is where the, the problem is. So we tend to forget the principles of God. You see today why students write Sabbath exams. It's not because education is as important as they say. But... Because their desire is different from God's own desire. God's own desire is for them to get the true education and to build character. So it's not because it's of any great importance. Uh, rather, it's not because uh, they, they see God's, God's word as, as valuable. But because the, the word has made it so that the most important thing is to get a house, is to get a car. Is, is to get married which is the purpose of the education which they are going to so when Christ tells them do not write Sabbath exam what they are thinking of they are going to lose that house which they are thinking of they are going to lose that money which they are thinking of or they are going to lose that plan which only through education the worldly education can help them secure and because of that, when Christ comes with his own, do not write Sabbath exams. It is not heeded because it is a clash. So one thing we should pray for so we we'll better understand is to see the importance of following Christ, to see the importance, the things which Christ brings to us. Remember, these things which leads us from God, at the end, from our reading today, it brings disease and death. Many people are suffering in their married lives. That's because they did not take heed of God's word. They did not take heed of how who, how, and why you should marry and who to marry. They did not take heed of those things. And because of that, they are in sufferings that will take a lifetime. So many things God wants to, to just save us from. If, but because we want to save the world. And from what we see, it's not everybody who claims to be Christians that are really Christians. 
not everyone who claims to be christians that are really spiritually minded and that is what you see today they are in fact if we are to put it in statistics as it says there are more christians than worldlings in the world today but in reality there are more worldlings than christians not because you, you profess the name christian means you are a christian no remember in the days of noah when noah was preaching did, do you think that everybody who rejected Noah's me- message rejected God? No, all of them were still claiming they know God and they, they are serving God. But until the day of the flood, that is when we knew that it is only eight persons in the whole world that were really following God. And same thing today, you should not be deceived by the multitude of people who call themselves Christians, who says they are going to church, they are doing church activities, everything then automatically you should feed their christians no true christianity is following the word of god as it is and when you do that you will not be at you will not be friends with the word and that is one of the signs that indeed we are christians so i pray god helps us to to know how to serve him with our whole heart to give him our whole strength rather than trying to serve the world and trying to serve him because if we are trying to serve the world and trying to serve him automatically we are not even serving him we are serving the world but god should help us indeed not to love the world but to love him the title of the devotion is really focusing on god wanting our affections and all that has been said so far everything that has been specified in the parties social gatherings and uh, education some of them are not good in and of themselves while others may be good but when carried to excess become sinful in the eyes of god all these things we find out that when we give them our minds when we give our affections to them we become servants of satan and no longer servants of god i think it's very we should make that very very clear that i think we'll talk about that more tomorrow about having two masters and there's nothing you can't separate it everything we do we are other we are either under god or under the devil every practice that is done it's either a service to god or a service to the devil so that's why we read now in testimonies volume 8 page 65 paragraph 2 he says i entreat the students in our schools to be sober-minded the frivolity of the young is not pleasing to god there are sports and games open the door to a flood of temptation in your intellectual faculties you are in possession of god's heavenly endowment and you should not allow your thoughts to be cheap and low a character formed in accordance with the precepts of god's word will reveal steadfast principles pure noble aspirations when the holy spirit cooperates with the powers of the human mind high holy impulses are the sure result here we read uh, that's the end of quote but here we read there are sports and games open the door to a flood of temptation and who is it that has engaged in the watching or playing of these games and sports that would not see another spirit within them you see there is a spirit for everything and when we say spirit we mean there is one either of the two either god or the devil that is in control of various activities God has dissociated himself from everything that has to do with sports. He doesn't associate himself with it. God doesn't say that he's involved in such things. Then if God is not the one involved, then who is involved? 
It is the devil, of course. It says here, continuing the quote, God sees that which the blind eyes of educators cannot discern, that immorality of every kind and degree is striving for the mastery, working against the manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit. The commonest of conversation and cheap, perverted ideas are woven into the texture of the character. You see, in the schools today, primary schools and high schools, we have educators there who plan things for the children, activities. And here it says, God is seeing something that the educators do not see. When you go to the schools, you see all kinds of activities they organize for the, peop- for the children. There is the one on music. They even teach them ballet, dancing. They teach them karate and all this uh, judo and uh, taekwondo. Who are those things going to? They are all services, not to God, but to another master. All those activities. And then you come to all the parties for every term. End of year party, Easter party, end of session party. Then you'd have the anniversaries. Then you have traditional cultural days. And then you have Christmas. I mean, parties are endless in the schools. But who is organizing it? It is the educators. And it says here that God sees that which the blind eyes of these educators cannot discern. And what is he seeing? That immorality of every kind and degree is striving for the mastery. Not only is he striving for the mastery, but these things are working against the manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit. But if that was all, we would have said, oh, it is not so bad. But I'll go on. It says, parties for frivolous worldly pleasure, gatherings for eating, drinking, and singing, are inspired by a spirit that is from beneath. They are an oblation to Satan. The title of our devotion is that God wants our undivided affections. He doesn't want us to serve him and still serve Satan. Here we understand, and it's just common sense to understand, that the spirit behind these parties and social gatherings, foolish social gatherings as they are called, and they may be anything you want to call them. You can call them child dedication. You can call it marriage. You can call it birthday parties. You can call it whatever you want. What matters is the activities that take place in them when they come. When they become to merriment and hilarity and glee and foolishness, then you know that the spirit behind it is not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of the devil himself. As he says here, they are an oblation to Satan. Go on. He says. God's wrath is kindled against those who do such things. In these gratifications, the mind becomes besotted, even as in liquor drinking. The door is opened to vulgar associations. The thoughts allowed to run in the low channel soon pervert all the powers of the being. Like Israel of old, the pleasure lovers eat and drink and rise up to play. There is mirth and carousing, hilarity and glee. In all this, the youth follow the example of the authors of the books placed in their hands for study. The greatest evil of it all is the permanent effect that these things have upon the character. And that's what I'm talking about. End of quote. The greatest evil is that these things actually have a permanent effect on our characters. And even we who speak, are we not suffering from the permanent effects that these things have had on us? Every now and then you hear words and these words remind you of songs that you have listened to in the past that brings back those evil spirits to your mind and you have to struggle with them and try to cast it out from your mind because of what you have engaged in when you were when you were a child. And that's why 
God wants us to understand that these things are not harmless. They are not harmless by any means. Whether it is the sports, the music, that's the singing, and the, the the foolish social gatherings. And indeed, I see them for what they are, because they bring man so low. Man begins to do things that are so foolish that if he sees himself after it, he will be ashamed. Why is it that many do not like pictures of themselves while doing these parties? Why, do they, why don't they like it to be posted on Facebook? Why don't they want it to be public? Is it not because they are foolish? If they were not foolish, then why don't, it, why don't you want it to be in public? I remember seeing a video of someone who was running for the governor of a state here in Nigeria and they call him the, the, the dancing, dancing senator while he was doing his dancing and all that and he became so foolish in his dancing lying down on the floor dancing while the video came out on youtube he came and denied it that it was not him i thought he should have been proud of himself if he were, if he didn't see it as a foolish thing that he was doing but of course he was not proud of himself and denied the, the denied it that the video was altered that something they, 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 they as usual anybody who doesn't want you to believe something as a video they'll tell you it was doctored but we all know it wasn't doctored it was a true video of himself but he couldn't accept that that was himself because he saw himself in his true foolishness and that's why these things are really foolish gatherings you see people who are supposed to comport themselves in all dignity when they go for these gatherings they lose themselves and begin to act in foolish ways things that you would never believe that they could do before you see them doing it in laughter and hilarity and glee i pray that god will give us the grace really because these things are serious when we give our minds to them, we are giving worship to another master. We are serving two masters and God will never accept that kind of service. It's my prayer that even, I mean, talking about permanent effects of these things, I pray that the grace of God, the truth is that with God, all things are possible. That thing that is a permanent effect by the grace of God, it can be, the stain will be removed. Here it says, those who take the lead in these things bring upon the cause a stain not easily effaced amen thank god it is not easily effaced not that it is impossible to be effaced but it can be removed by the grace of god it says they wound their own souls and through their lifetime will carry the scars the evildoer may see his sins and repent god may pardon the transgressor but the powers of discernment which ought ever to be kept keen and sensitive to distinguish between the sacred and the common are in a great measure destroyed too often human devices and imaginations are accepted as divine. Some souls react in blindness and insensibility, ready to grasp cheap, common, and even infidel sentiments while they turn against the demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. I would like to leave us with hope. Moses lived in Egypt for 40 years while learning their characteristics, learning their practices, and learning their ways. But God was able to wean him off such things. Took him out of there 40 years in the land of the Midianites. And it was possible for Moses to be reformed. And I believe it is possible for all of us who are listening to be reformed. If we submit ourselves to God and give him the chance to rule our lives, he can transform us from whatever we were or whatever we are to become sons of God. John chapter 1 verse 12, As many as received him to them give he power to become the sons of God. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen affection the sense of attachment and love towards someone for what that person has done you have a tenderness you have a likeness you you 
you sing about this person. You want to spend the whole of your life with this person. That's what God is looking for from us. Today, we know that Christ is the only one who has paid the price for our sins. The life we live, the breath, every breath that we have belongs to him. The hope of eternity comes from Christ. What God has done for us, no human being, no system can do for us. Victory over sin. All these things, even the food we eat, the varieties of fruits we have, variety of grains and seeds and nuts we have, are all evidences of God's love towards us. And we ought to love Him. God knows that after hearing a good sermon and standing up for that altar call and deciding to give your life to Christ, He knows that the enemy will come in with something else. And that thing will divide this affection, this holy thought you have towards God. He knows that Satan will bring in all these things which we have listed into this devotion. And then you begin to drift again away to worldliness. Your decision to serve God will not be beneficial. It will not be firm if we do not cut away from these things. So God wants to maintain this, this loving heart you have. This heart that is full of gratitude for what he has done for you. And he wants you to solve that problem by cutting away from these influences. It's for our good. It's for our benefit. So I pray that we really put our hearts to this thing and secure our relationship with God. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for such love being displayed upon us. From the first intimation of hope, we see our first parents listening to a serpent that did nothing for them instead of turning affection and loyalty to you that have provided all things for them a home, family, food, all things you give them freely to enjoy. May we today who live upon the earth learn how to turn our affections unto thee who have given us all things. Help us not to be like Balaam, prostituting your gift for filthy locker. Help us to live a life that will bring glory and honor unto thy cause, even unto thy name. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen.